This podcast is proudly supported by the post-production facility, Red Lab. Red Lab. See where your ideas can go. Welcome to Women on Screen Out Loud, giving a platform to women in the film industry who challenge, motivate, and inspire on all sides of the camera. We are your hosts, Lara Jean Korostecki and Jennifer Pogue. For those who follow actor Grace Ling Kung in her career, you know that the whirlwind of strong characters and projects behind her are evidence of the tenacity, focus, and depth this emerging talent brings to the table. Approaching her essay titled A Brain Diary at 3.50 a.m. in August with the same energy and flair she brings to screen, Grace discusses pop culture, representation on screen, lady crushes, and the changing state of the industry. It's 3.50 a.m. It's too late to get started. I'll start fresh tomorrow. For now, I'll just watch Frasier. I wonder how many people are watching Frasier because the guy on Queer Eye said Frasier Crane was his style guru and Tan France nearly died. God, I love Tan. I wonder how long his hair has been that amazing. I'm getting sidetracked. Okay, I'm awake, so I should get writing. Acting and the business. I hate the word should. I shouldn't have written it. Is what I'm doing weird? Are people going to get it? Maybe it will make sense when it's said aloud. Or maybe someone will write in the comments, this is a diary entry, lazy writing. The internet is cruel. Why do diaries get a bad rap? Writing with the notion of achieving some self-reflection sounds rad. Humans never say diary for dudes. And once you're out of high school, notebook manufacturers call it a journal. That feels like gendered and ageist BS. Yet another thing to rail against. Is that rail spelled the same way as the railroad tracks rail? Usually I could just Google that silently and none would be the wiser, but I didn't think this through. Great. Now you're talking about homonyms on an oral medium. There's another terrible homonym for radio. A-U-R-A-L. Now everyone thinks you can't spell. They think autocorrect was made for people like you. They can hear the air quotes. Do you think one day we will come up with a different physical action for air quotes? I think eyebrow physicality hasn't reached its ceiling yet. Okay, returning from tangent. Diaries slash journals. Basically, a bunch of letters to yourself stitched together that may implicate you someday. Like? To all the boys I've loved before. Oh, that movie. I am in love with Lana Condor. She is so cool. This was the high school rom-com I never had. Lana Condor carried that film like she was born to do it, without a whiff of how momentous this role was for any human identifying in the Asian experience. For anyone in the Western world, this was our first high school love story with a significant Asian role, bonus, she was the lead. A character we didn't have to rail against or silently feel shame at. Race as a casting category is tricky, but everyone feels some way about it. 
feels may be unspoken, but once a work friend told me, guys like me aren't very busy. I'm not what they're looking for, cause... And then the eyebrow, the shrug, the unspoken feels. I try to make their brain bubbles my brain bubbles. Will non-majority groups in orientation, identification, and ethnicity start to populate casting more than they do in the actual populace? Me too and Black Lives Matter until my space disappears. I'm scared I need to work and they aren't looking for me because the voices whisper that D word. Diversity. And isn't acting stretching ourselves beyond our own experience? I'd like to pen an entry and reply. Dear friend human, I'm not here to squeeze anyone else's lemons. I think we can share. But I think at first when we all get loose in the lemon field, things readjust because no one is by themselves anymore. There will be a repositioning around the lemon tree, and that will be a change. And change can feel personal. A fundamental tenet of growing up as other means that I grew up inserting myself into the experiences of the protagonists. I fitted myself with implants and traveled in that character's world as if it were my own. Call me the empathy eyeballer. Your eyeballs were my eyeballs, your people my people, and your stories my own. We have grown up seeing our lives through others. And that's okay. We made it. We are fighting for more, but we did it. Now some light is tipping into previously dark spaces. Let's be empathy eyeballers. Please do not feel alienated. Please don't think, oh, this is not for me. When a film features a family of us or with us as leads, please join our experience. Progress has been tokenism for most our lives, constantly enforcing the notion that we are only good as side salads. Some of us are angry. We don't want to be forever. And we understand you may be too. But we want to share this lemon field. And maybe someday, we will make the best lemonade ever. It meant so much watching Lana Condor in that movie. If this had come out when I was in high school, I'd put her poster on my wall. How is she that cool and confident already? Maybe because she's a dancer. Why are dancers always so cool? Is being cool really just about owning the real estate your body occupies? I wonder. I'm writing this from Southern California. People feel louder here. I wonder if they own their vocal real estate more. I told my cousin that Michelle Yeoh was in the hair makeup trailer when I arrived for Star Trek, and I had a five-minute Greek tragedy in my head about whether or not to say hi. In the end, I was too shy to talk to a legend and then totally regretted it. My cousin. What? I would have talked to her. Me. That's because you're American. Maybe being American is owning more of your metaphysical real estate, owning it in your vocal cords, like Lana Condor, like a dancer. You know who else is a dancer? Michelle Yeoh is a dancer. Hmm, there's something to this. I need to get back to dance lessons. In my last hip-hop class, I got owned by an 11-year-old girl. Speaking of fear, Michelle Yeoh was elegant and terrifying in Crazy Rich Asians. Oh my God, Crazy Rich 
Asians. Who would have thought this day would come? To all the boys I've loved before, and now, three banging opening weeks with a superstar Asian cast, including Sonoya Mizuno, another dancer. Or at least I think she's a dancer. She had that fab scene in Ex Machina with Oscar Isaac dancing. So live. Such grace. Yep, definitely need to take some dancing lessons. I'm sure I can write them off, too. If the revenue agency questions me, I can just tell them that Michelle Yeoh, Lana Condor, and Sonoya Mizuno are all dancer-actors, and it's a completely relevant skill. It's about owning my corporal real estate. I mean, clowns used to be immensely talented physical comedians, and the jester was basically that for royalty, right? Am I making that up? I wonder if they made their own outfits, like on Drag Race. Why are they all so good with makeup on that show? I ought to take makeup lessons. Sidetracked, sidetracked. Gemma Chan mesmerized me in Crazy Rich Asians. She had this gravitas that made it hard to stop watching her. She has to be a dancer. I know she was a model. Well, that's like being a dancer, but in your face. But she graduated from law at Oxford, so maybe she didn't dance. Though I suppose they are not mutually exclusive. I ought to go to law school. They say the studios have six features with Asian-American leads in abeyance, pending the results of crazy rich Asians. And did people ever show up? Lena Waithe bought out an entire theater and called on the Wu-Tang Clan, and basically anyone repping tattoos in a language from the Asian diaspora, to get on board. Teresa Shao, a writer from Family Guy and American Dad, personally bought tickets for anyone on Twitter who couldn't afford to go but wanted to. I went with my aunt and cousin. My aunt hadn't seen a movie in 15 years. She said it was going to make a difference for actors like me. I said it would make a difference for all of us. Some weeks before, I overheard two of my castmates talking about how excited they were for it. Neither of them were raised in an Asian family. Could things be shifting? Dare we hope? Read the news, lose hope. But some of today's gaping soul chasms have met with uplifting tides. Maybe it is a sign that change in any direction is possible. Maybe it is a reminder that we cannot take anything for granted. Apathy holds hands with powerlessness, strolls to the Walmart, and falls asleep in the camping section. Consciousness is lighting it up. This is America. Damn, Donald Glover, I love you. You can't be a dancer too, can you? Don't think so, but probably because you do everything else on earth. Besides, we can't have you breaking any bones. We need you. We need Mindy Kaling, Lakeith Stanfield. Did you know one of the top Google entries for The Walking Dead's Stephen Jung is, was Stephen Jung in Raiders of the Lost Ark? Stephen Jung wasn't even born yet, and they are confusing him with the Vietnamese actor Jonathan K. Kwan, who was in The Temple of Doom and is 12 years his senior. Good golly, Miss Molly. Are crazy rich Asians and Black Panther going to solve everything? No, but it's a start. A big-ass start. The acting goddess Sandra Oh assumed she wasn't being considered for the lead role in Killing Eve. She spoke of how deeply she had internalized the racism. 
After being told to see things a certain way for decades, you realize, oh my God, they brainwashed me, she said. And then we come to the badassery that is Kelly Marie Tran. Kelly Marie Tran wiped her social media after Star Wars The Last Jedi came out, and she was targeted incessantly by racist, alt-right, and woman-hating vitriol. Recently, she penned a response against faceless, toxic troll culture. She said, it wasn't their words. It's that I started to believe them. Their words seemed to confirm what growing up as a woman and person of color already taught me, that I belonged in margins and spaces, valid only as minor characters in their lives and stories. She speaks of the shame it created, in the things that made her different, and for the culture that she came from, and being most disappointed that she felt it at all. But, she says, that's not the world she wants to leave behind. Her closing paragraph read, You might know me as Kelly. I am the first woman of color to have a leading role in a Star Wars movie. I am the first Asian woman to appear on the cover of Vanity Fair. My real name is Lone, and I am just getting started. I ought to get a job on Star Wars. Coming up, Laura Jean Korostecki and actor Grace Ling Kung dissect Grace's stylized observations, representation on screen, and more. I'm Laura Jean Korostecki, and I'm here with uh, Grace Ling Kung. It's so wonderful to have you. I'm still giggling a bit from that wonderful essay that took us through so many different emotions. All the feels. All the feels. All the feels. We loved, Jen and I were discussing, we loved how you crafted an essay in the form of a diary, opening up and sharing your experiences in this way. Is there anything in particular that made you choose this method to your storytelling (laughs) after we asked? Uh, I have a big problem I'm realizing now with procrastination. And I'm also like a perfectionist. So that I think is part of it. So I have so many feels about like acting in the the world sort of today. And I found just like it was too big of a block to get started. And for me, I'm a real like I have a I've been trying to like write write a script. And every time I get started, I just stop myself because I'm like, I don't want it to be I don't want to be crappy. I don't want to be crappy, but like I can't get started. Like I like dialogue, but like if I write dialogue, it never, I get pressured when I feel like it has to go somewhere. But I'm a pretty good stream of consciousness writer. Mm. And for this one, I kind of did that just to get started. And then it just kind of like kept rolling and it rolled naturally into a lot of the things that I care about and a lot of the things that were happening. And then it also became a bit of a tie into, you know, the like a diary, like kind of reclaiming that that diary, which, you know, that issue is, you know, so many things about gender and being a woman and all, and all of that. And just kind of taking a walk through my brain because, I mean, I don't know what other people's brains look like, but I guess that's a <laughs> bit of a light you shine, shine on the people inside my brain. You speak really passionately in this through your stream of consciousness musings about how important and profound seeing a film like To All the Boys I've Loved Before would have been for you growing up. Mm-hmm. And you talk about this lemon tree, which is such a great analogy. What do you think is the key component in human interaction that will allow us to truly share the lemon tree? Do you think there is one? I like to think so. I feel like part of my frustration with the world is that I genuinely believe that 
that people are, are good, whatever that, that means. And that sometimes it's just a matter of seeing that perspective. There was this study about little, they, they, it was an academic study, and they took something like half the control group A watched Friends for six weeks and control group B watched Little Mosque on the Prairie. So, and after six weeks, they did a measurement, however they measured it, and they found that anti-Muslim sentiment had gone down in the group that watched Little Mosque. And it's, everybody watches, consumes movies and television, especially now. Everything is, you know, like advertising has all moved into these mediums uh, on our phones and like IG movies and Facebook Watch and all of that. And for me, I feel like when we're talking about it in the abstract, when it's them and not internally I, when you don't get in that mix and you can't empathize, when you don't see it that way, it always is something on the outside. And I remember filmmaker Amina Shum did this documentary called The Ninth Floor, and it was all about, I can't remember what year it was, but it's at Concordia University, I think, where all of these mostly Black students were protesting on the ninth floor of this computer, I think it was computer science building, where the professor, the white professor, had consistently been docking the Black students' marks. And it kind of turned into a bit like it was a peaceful protests. But then I think something happened with the cops and they sort of got like locked in there and then there was a fire. It was kind of, it was just crazy. And somebody asked her, what do you do in these situations? And she said, I always have to look internally because when you put it outside yourself, it's something that someone else has to do. Mm. Whereas nothing changes when that's the case. You go, I'm not part of the problem. And so I try to empathize too. It's very frustrating because I did grow, grow up with that. And I've, I've seen what it's like when people see somebody who just I mean, I guess we love babies so much because they look like us. Parents mm. love them because they look like them. There is something about that that makes it easier to identify with someone's experience. So for most of my friends who are people of color, we've always done that translating. And so I think it becomes easier to accept the norm because you feel like you're that. I didn't grow up being like, oh, I'm so Asian. You know, I'm so different. You know, like it wasn't until I was constantly inundated with that in casting or random expectations that get thrown at you, you go, oh, people see me this way. I didn't realize that. I just was like, I'm out here. I'm a human, you know? Like, So it's, I think about that because Mina was like, I always have to turn it inside myself because that's where change happens. You have to think I could be part of this problem. And if I'm part of this problem, what do I do? Mm-hmm. And I think right now, I, I believe that lies in empathy. So maybe taking a walk in one another's brains is helpful. It's such a, a great, yeah, a great thing to reflect on. And I completely concur. Other than Lana Condor, if you were coming of age right now, who else's poster would you put on your wall? <laughs> oh, man. Other um, than all the different names that you named in your essay. I know. I was like, um, who else? I mean, I, I feel like what's fresh in my brain is like a lot of these ladies from Crazy Rich Asians. And I feel like that because I feel like when I, I hate the word diversity because I think as soon as you use something so much and it doesn't mean anything anymore, people tune it out. And, and I don't know that that accurately represents how I, how I feel the other experience or, or whatnot. When, when, that, when diversity is hot, I feel like people, what, they, what we do is we kind of cherry pick. Like all of these superstars were like already doing their superstar thing. We're already this magnificent and it took this time where they're like, this is hot. 
and we're going to skim, we're going to cherry pick, basically, all these people who are already ready. I feel that a way about uh, Kim's Convenience came around at a really great time. Ince was developing that thing for like a decade before. I remember mm. reading drafts with him where like Appa got shot at the end. Like it was just so different. But it, that thing was incubating in his brain for at least a decade. And then it comes out and people are like, oh, it's such a big, you know, like it's big splash, newcomers. And you're like, you yeah, know, they were working it for a while. So I don't know. I, I, You know what? And why shouldn't we put people like, why shouldn't we make posters on our walls of people in their 40s and 50s? Like, <laughs> you know, so like true. that's so badass. Like people know, like people... Yeah, have lived like amazing lives. I want to put senior citizens on my posters, you know? <laughs> yeah. I love that. You reflect also in this stream of consciousness about owning the real estate that your body occupies and owning your voice real estate more. I totally have also noticed that our neighbors to the South beautifully own their metaphysical real estate fully. Can you say more about what you think that looks and sounds like? I feel like sometimes so... In my essay, I feel like a lot of times I'm having a thought, it's coming out loud, and then I revert to the brain voice. And there's something about, I feel like being American, where there isn't that brain voice. Like it's, and this is obviously a big generalization, but mm. it's just thought, brain voice, all outside. All outside my brain. That light is really bright. Lara's hair looks really great. You know, like it's... Thank you. You know, <laughs> but like that kind of thing, whereas like, and I spent some time living in England, and I felt very comfortable there because I felt like they Canadians split the difference a little bit. Yeah, I and like, in England as well. It was yeah. Yeah, very similar experience, yeah. Yeah, and like the British, especially the English, I feel like spend, it, it, it seems like to me, they spend a lot of time walking around in their own brains. And like when I watch panel shows, I get to see a little bit of that walking inside your brain being let out on the vocal cords, mm -hmm. you know? And I feel like that's the difference. Like I used to be with someone who would watch movie trailers and just be like ha and I would be like oh my god I was like that you're so loud and but just not having the like internal whereas like I remember being a kid and if I felt like we were loud I would react by being quieter which would make my loud friend be like what are you saying and I was like oh my god this is so much worse this is so much worse but like that's <laughs> I'm a really like internal person like my brain is like doing a lot of calculations a lot of the time so I have to think about what is good to like let outside and and put on the cords to let them like surf out there, you know. Can you speak more about what the experience of going to the theater with your aunt for the first time in 15 years, you said she hadn't been to a theater. Yeah. What was that like for you to be able to share in this moment with her going back to a movie theater for the first time in 15 years and watching Crazy Rich Agents? Uh, I feel like it was pretty, it's, it's amazing. It's sort of like, um, I say the Sandra O oh internalized this, what had happened in the business, the, the racism, you kind of internalize all that and you put yourself in a position where it's like almost, I mean, actors are, I mean, we're so sensitive and this is the worst business to be a sensitive soul in. So I feel like for a while, what I did to mitigate the pain of losing a part, getting close and not getting it and dreaming of these roles and having those slip away was to hope a little bit less. And it made me very depressed. And it happened very slowly because when you don't feel sort of the, the spectrum of it, the spectrum gets smaller and eventually just kind of disappears. And then I'm like, I'm not sad, but I'm not happy. There's something about that. I think that after a while, you get used to it. So it was really cool because as soon as the movie started, um, my aunt, who's not a super talkative person, but like a song came on. And my uncle passed away several years ago. 
And she was like, your uncle loved this song. Oh my gosh, they used to play it all the time. We used to love to go dancing to this. Like all of the music hit her in such a way. She was always like, oh, we loved this song or this song was playing at this time. And, you know, like I could see that it could, it was starting to crack for her. Like all of those things that she hasn't experienced in an English film kind of come out and that it comes in waves, right? And I think that we're going to see more of that and that this is just the beginning. Are you just getting started? Damn right. My name is Grace, and I am just getting started. Thank you so much for coming in today. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. Grace Ling Kung is a Canadian Screen and Actra Award nominee. Her credits include Miss Sloan, starring Jessica Chastain, Designated Survivor, The Expanse, Mary Kills People, Guillermo del Toro's The Strain, Slings and Arrows, Twelve Monkeys, Insecurity, CBC series Mr. D, and Frankie Drake Mysteries, and most recently, HBO's new adaptation of Fahrenheit 451. We are extending a very big thank you to Grace for sharing her time and joining us today at the Red Lab Digital Studios. Be sure to check out future episodes of Women on Screen Out Loud wherever you get your podcasts and check out upcoming events and initiatives from Women on Screen at womenonscreen.ca. Until next time, I'm Lara Jean Korstecki. I'm Jennifer Pogue. And we are Women on Screen. Women on Screen Out Loud was recorded at the post-production facility Red Lab. This project was created and produced by Lara Jean Korstecki and Jennifer Pogue, with sound engineering and editing by John Lawless and original music by Erica Percunier. This podcast would not be possible without the support of Women on Screen founders Lauren McKinley, Farah Marani, and Kira Murphy. This has been a Women on Screen production.